Uh, Let's go to God in prayer before we open up our text this morning. Uh, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time that we have to share together, uh, for the privilege of being called your people, and for the obligation that comes to live in in a way that is in accordance with your will, because the sacrifice that you have given. We thank you for your willingness to go to the cross for us, that your son gave his life that we might have life. I pray that we'd be mindful of that as we leave this place. I pray that we would uh, be still for a moment, that our, our hearts would be soft, that our minds would be open, and that we would be attentive to the way your Spirit would move within us, and that as we leave this place, we will be emboldened and we will be full of courage and wisdom as we seek to continue to follow where your Spirit leads us each day. May we be aware of the way that you move in our lives, of the way you lead and guide and direct our steps each and every day. And may we not be so calloused of heart that we fail to hear your voice when you whisper and nudge us in directions that we may not really want to go. Help us to be your people. Help us to be true to the calling that we've received as children of the King, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and heirs of your kingdom. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, rethinking the church. We started this series last week, coming on the heels of the uh, I Believe series we did. And last week we talked about rethinking of fellowship, about what it means to be a community of people. Um, That that fellowship is not just kind of uh, an also-ran of the things that we do in church. It's not just one of those other things that come along with being church people, but fellowship is actually a key element of our worship. Um, I was reading something this week, and I found it interesting. He said, worship, uh, worship is a call to war. Now think about that for a moment, uh, that when we gather, when we are in fellowship with one another, when we come together as a community of, of Christians, bound by the blood of Jesus, and when we all come together and in one voice and in one heart and in one mind sing praises to the Father, it is a call to war, a call to action. That we gather in this place with one another to get the strength and to get the edification and to get the inspiration to go and do something. And and for a Christian to come and be in fellowship with church with his brothers and sisters, with the body of Christ, people who are united by the sacrifice of Jesus, to come together and to experience a call to arms, a call to action, and then to just kind of go out into the world and do the same thing we've always done, would be like a a, a battle scene where you have the big charge and everybody just goes back to their tents and goes to sleep. That doesn't make sense. But the body functions in such a way that it brings us together in these moments that we might be inspired. That we might be encouraged. That we might be edified. That we might be spurned to do the work of the kingdom. Fellowship. Rethink fellowship. It is a vital aspect of the community. And it is what makes us one and unites us as one. Um, today, I want us to, to look at adversity. The way we face adversity and, and rethink that as well. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. 
um, verses 12 through 14 is where we'll focus. I want to I start, and I want you to listen or, or read along if you want, but really I just want you to listen to the prayer that Paul prays for the church in Philippi. Be mindful of what he says in, chapters, or in verses 12 through 14 that we just read a moment ago. He is in chains. He is writing this under house arrest, constantly chained to a prison guard, can't go anywhere. And he is in prison because he has been preaching the gospel. He writes this to the Philippian Christians. I give thanks to my God. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. All right, so here's a man, he is in chains, he's in prison, he is bound because he has been preaching the gospel, and the first thing that comes to his mind is how joyful he is at the church in Philippi and the things that they are doing. I am sure of this, verse 6, he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, and it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart. And you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. How many of us can say that we really feel this way about our brothers and sisters in Christ? I feel this way frequently about my my family. We have that deep yearning, uh, that sense of longing of when that separation comes. Um, we have that desire to be together. But I love the picture that Paul paints of his emotions here when he says, Look, I long to be with you, but I hear you're doing well. And that gives me joy. I hear that you are faithful, and that gives me the strength to move on, but I miss you. I have you in my heart. I miss you with the affection of Christ Jesus, and I pray this. How many of us will pray this? I I, I dare you to pray this about this church, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment, so that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Paul is in chains, and this is his prayer. And This should be our prayer as well. Read through the prayers that Paul prays in these, in these letters. These are the kinds of things, like when we go through our prayer list, and, and we have several things on our prayer list, and we, and we kind of get to the end of it, and it says, and, and don't forget our ministers in the gospel. Brother Felix, Mario, and the, the ministry that he's doing in our Spanish ministry, Santiago and Candido, and the ministry that they're doing in Honduras. And don't forget to pray for Goodwood. These are the kinds of things that we should be praying for one another, that our love would continue to grow, that we would continue to be mature, and that we would have the ability to go and to be the people that God has called us to be.
It's not just an addendum to the prayer list. It's, it's very important for us to be mindful of those things. And when we understand what it means to be the church, we understand a couple of things. We understand how important it is to be a body. A united body of people. Of Christians united not by anything this world can conjure up, but united by the blood of Christ. We also understand what it really means to face adversity. And here's Paul in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. And see, here's the thing. Testimonies of courage inspire boldness. Right? And this is what Paul is saying. Is like, you, what, you know, they, they thought they were imprisoning me and they thought they were stopping the gospel. But actually what they have seen happen is people have been more emboldened because I am here in chains. People have been encouraged because I am in chains. And not only that, the whole imperial guard has heard the gospel because I am in chains. I mean, can you imagine the imperial guard gathering in the the briefing room in the morning and everyone's getting their assignments and it's like, you've got Paul duty. That dude never stops talking. Like, he just yap, 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 yap all day long and it's always about this Jesus character. I thought we got rid of that guy. But he just keeps on coming. So much so that my wife wants to be baptized. Can you believe that? And he says, because I am in chains, the whole prison guard has heard the gospel of Jesus. You can think into our history about people that have exhibited courage and inspired boldness. Galileo Galilei stood up to the church in his day to, to show certain things that they had wrong. Um, it cost him his life because he published some things that the church said you can't publish. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote uh, many things from the inside of a Jewish concentration camp. And because of what he continued to write, even in the face of that oppression, he would end up being executed in a Jewish concentration camp, and because of him, the teaching and the writings that we have have inspired people to do great things. On on a lighter note, but still equally important, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And to this day, we have one day in in the season where everybody wears number 42 to remember the day that the first African-American man played on a white team. Major League Baseball, and it doesn't seem like much, but the things that he faced, the things that he endured to show that something isn't right here, opened a door for not just young black men to follow in through, into, but opened up a whole world for all of culture to see what can be different when we do things together. Helen Keller 
Helen Keller became an ambassador. She was deaf and, and blind. And she became this, this trailblazer for what people with a perceived disability can still accomplish. Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, and William Tyndale. How many of you know who William Tyndale is? It is because of William Tyndale that you can read the Bible in your language. Because he was forbidden to translate the Bible into English. But he said every man should be able to read the Word of God in his own language. And so he translated the Bible into English. And guess what it cost him? It cost him his life. But it is because someone had the courage to do what is right that other people around can be inspired to do something different. When the church heard about Paul's pursuit, his never-ending, his relentless pursuit to spread the gospel no matter what it cost, even when he was in chains for doing that exact same thing, it moved them. It moved them to greater boldness. I am inspired when I see things that people do. I am inspired when I see the way our brothers and sisters work to spread the gospel in Honduras. I always come back from my trip over there with a renewed sense of urgency about what it means to be evangelistic. I am always inspired uh, to be more diligent about my desire to spread the gospel when I spend any amount of time with Mario and his family and the people that work with him down the hall. There are many of you that do things that we can learn from, that we can be inspired from. Maybe you're not really sure how to begin a Bible study in your community. Jim and Carrie Lackey have one in St. Francisville that has it's been running for a while. You want to know how they got it started? Ask them about it. Because, you know, what we begin to see is that when things like this begin to occur, I am inspired by people's courage and people's boldness to go and do something about it. You want to know what it's like to, to speak to the gospel to someone um, who is at death's door? Ask Richard Felix about his work in the prison ministry and about the years that he has spent with people who are looking death in the face. Go down and talk to Mario about the work that they do in their own communities and the way that they spread the gospel. Guys, it is possible, and it, sometimes it seems to us like a daunting task, but when we see that people just like us have gone and done it, it gives us a little bit of inspiration to go and do likewise. People have made millions of dollars selling books that are simply collections of stories of regular people doing regular everyday things for the cause of Christ and showing the impact that the Holy Spirit has created because people are inspired to do something bold. And almost to a person, if you ask them about it, what would cause you to do something so bold, they would look and say, I wasn't being bold. I was just sharing the gospel. Could it be really that simple? We must rethink our view of adversity. And, and that also is what Paul brings us to here. 
He says, look, they thought they had me pinned up. They thought they were imprisoning me, and they thought they were doing something bad. But look what happened. People heard about the gospel. More people heard about the gospel. I, Paul receives an audience that he never would have received had he not been in chains. How hard do you think it is to get an audience with the palace guard? Probably virtually impossible. So Paul goes to prison. He gets to preach to every one of them. He says, you don't understand really what adversity is. And this is where it kind of gets sticky for us here. Because in, in America, it seems like we frequently have what they call a persecution complex. Um, that any time any rule or any law is passed that is in conflict with our Christian values, it's easy to perceive that as someone standing against the church. And that's really, most of the time, it's not the case. They're not standing against the church. They're standing for their own selfish, immoral values. And our judgment and our minds can become clouded when we hold our own sense of morality, our own Christian standards onto a, onto a world that doesn't observe them and doesn't care about them and doesn't desire them. And that doesn't mean that we don't stand or, or oppose many of these issues that we know are wrong. But see, what happens when I perceive myself being persecuted changes the way I respond. It changes the way I react and interact. And instead of having intelligent conversation, we we bristle and we get defensive and we go on the attack. Because we feel like we're being persecuted when the truth is we just live in a messed up world, guys. We just live in a world that has been so twisted and turned by the evil one, that these people most of the time are not persecuting the church. They're just living for their own sinful ways. And we frequently take it personally and we respond in such a way. And that often doesn't create a space where we can actually have conversation. There will be times when you will face adversity, where you will face persecution. And and a lot of the temptation for a lot of Christians is to kind of run towards it and say, how can I be a martyr? Paul's not saying you have to strive to be persecuted, but he's saying when you do, when you do. What does he say in Philippians chapter 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. What does he say, Richard? Rejoice. Last several weeks, I say, Richard, how you doing? And he said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Paul says this, and he's imprisoned. And so while we don't desire persecution, and we we don't want to be martyred, and we don't strive for those kinds of things, When they do come our way, and they will inevitably come our way if we are living the way of Christ. When adversity does come, we understand differently what it means to be in conflict. We see it as an opportunity. An opportunity to show what the gospel of Christ can do in our lives. We face adversity differently than the world faces adversity diff- than because, because we understand 
we understand that there is a greater perspective. There is one who holds a greater view and a greater vision than our immediate circumstances. And growth and maturity are community activities. They really are. I mean, I can, I can grow a little bit and I can mature a little bit on my own, but nothing measures up to the way I grow and mature in a community. When I learn from your experiences and you learn from mine, When I learn from what you have gone through and you learn from what I have gone through, when together we come together and we acknowledge that we are the body of Christ and we will not be divided and we will certainly not be divided by our own actions. That we will make a commitment as individuals that we will not be people of divisiveness, that we will not be people that come in to cause strife and to cause fissures and cracks in the body, but we will be a people who are committed to being united by the blood of Jesus Christ. When we get to this point, when we, when we make that commitment to one another, the way that we grow and the way that we mature is exponentially increased. Because that's how we are designed to grow. It is how we are designed to mature. And look, courage is contagious. It catches on. When brave men and when brave women decide to take a stand and do something that is right, people who are on the fence are emboldened to do it as well. And people who are on the other side of the fence are brought near because of what is going on. I used to tell uh, Dustin's baseball team, it's like, look, hitting a baseball, especially at 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13 years old, you've got to have some ability, but so much of it is mental. And you see that at every level. You even see it at the major league level. Major league baseball, you get two guys, get a hit back to back, all of a sudden that ball gets bigger, it's coming in slower, everybody's seeing it better because you see somebody doing it and you're like, hey, I can do that. It happens with the stinking Golden State Warriors, too. These guys make shots in basketball that they shouldn't even be taking. Like every other coach except Steve Kerr, if they would see their guys take shots, they'd be going, oh, what are you doing? It's like, oh, it went in. Well, guess what? When Steph Curry starts hitting shots and Klay Thompson starts hitting shots and Kevin Durant starts hitting shots, guys that can't shoot start hitting shots. Like the guy, the, the six foot nine guy that's playing center that doesn't even have a 13 foot jump shot. The only thing he can do is dunk. He starts hitting three pointers. Why? Because it's contagious. All of a sudden, that basket looks like it's this big. And you're shooting golf balls through it. He's like, I could throw this thing backwards with my eyes closed and it would go in because it's contagious. Courage is contagious, boldness is inspiring. And what we need in the church is for a handful of people to have the courage to step out and take a stand and begin to proclaim, proclaim the gospel in the way that we've been asked to do it. And that attitude and that mentality spreads through the body. 
because we grow and we mature in community. We need the church. Every Christian needs a church family because of this very aspect. And we said we're going to rethink adversity because when adversity comes, who are you going to rely on if you're not in community? I can't deal with adversity on my own. It's part of that growth. It's part of that maturing is that in community, we can withstand the things that we can't withstand alone. There was an article about the benefits of uh, physical training and exercise. Some people are really good at having a home gym and being motivated by their own time and their own desire and their own need. That doesn't work for me. If, if I'm working in my home gym and I'm the one that's motivating me, there is always something more important than working out. Always. Most of the time, it's chocolate. <laughs> you can be my workout partner, okay? <laughs> but when you get in the group, when you get in a group setting, it's not about competition or who can lift more or who can do more, but it really is about effort. Because when I see the kind of effort that the people around me are exerting, it inspires me to give more effort. That's what it means to be community. That's what it means to be the church. That it's not that we are in competition with one another, with who's got more scores on the board, who's got more baptisms, who's got more of this, who's more disciplined, who's more of this. No, but it's just about effort because in community, when people are striving to be better together, when I see your effort, it inspires me to, to, to try harder. Because we're better together. We are always better together. And we always have a higher success rate when we face adversity together. May we be a people that proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Have the boldness and the courage to proclaim. Knowing full well adversity might come but eagerly anticipating the way the Spirit will work through it.